What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Damo is on vacation. He is in Cancun this week, I believe. So instead, um, we will have Matt Moderno on the show today. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I wish I was in Cancun. Uh, it's sort of cold and, and dreary here in the district. So uh, I would definitely rather be on a beach somewhere. Yeah, and I can tell you it's definitely more cold in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I think that... Um, <laughs> That's very fair. There's piles of snow up here and um, everywhere. I came back last uh, Friday, and um, I get in the car uh, from the guy from Uber that was picking me up from the airport, and he's like, yeah, you know, it's been a pretty mild winter. It hasn't been bad at all. And meanwhile, you look on the sides of the road, and there's, like, piles of snow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just picturing the movie where the people get, you know, buried alive in their cars and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Uh, definitely crazy stuff, but this will probably end up being the last winter I have to stay here. I'll be graduating um, next fall, so I think this will be nice. the only winter I have to endure up here. But anyway, we're not here to talk about my life in North Dakota. We're here to talk about the Wizards. And most recently, the Wizards got a huge W against the Phoenix Suns. What was it? It was like a 20-something point victory. It wasn't quite 30, right? It was like in the 20s, I think. Yeah, they, they got up into the 30s, but I, I can't remember what the, the final ended up being. I want to say it was right around like low 20s. Yeah, either way, the Suns were never really in it from start to finish, which I think was something that we haven't seen in a long time. I, I can't remember the last time the Wizards dominated from start to finish. And didn't have, like, a scare of a comeback. Because even though, like, Phoenix got it kind of close at some points, but it really wasn't ever, like, too close to where you were like, all right, well, the Wizards are probably going to lose this game. But the, the entire game, I was waiting for the comeback, and it just never happened. So um, credit to Scott Brooks. Uh, credit to the players. You know, they went out there and got the job done. Uh, do you have any takeaways from the Phoenix game or um, – any games before that? I know the last time Damo and I had talked, it was, I believe, right before the series that they were playing the Bulls. So it's been a while. Not much has changed. Um, a little bit of injuries we'll get here, get to here in a second. But do you have any thoughts overall? Uh, yeah, you know, I, my whole life as a Wizards fan is sort of a, a split between like trying really hard to be hopeful, but just naturally being pessimistic based on what we've seen over the years. So just my default is, all right, did we actually improve anything? Or is this just a product of Phoenix playing their you know third game in four nights? And, and I think the answer is probably a little bit of both. I thought they looked a little more smooth on offense. Uh, and, you know, one of the things we've been talking about a lot is just, uh, you know, how, how being better on offense should actually help them on defense and it's just not mm -hmm. exposing them as much. So I, I think there was some of that. But Phoenix just missed a lot of shots that other teams have been hitting against us. Philly, especially uh, Chicago, a couple times. Like, our guys were just wide open for threes, and, and they actually made them. And, and Phoenix, a team you'd expect to make them, just didn't. Yeah, that was going to be the one thing I was going to say is that it just seemed like they weren't hitting enough shots. And, um, you, you know, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a hit or miss league. You know, so, I mean, when you don't hit shots at night, you got to find other ways to be productive if you want to win, and they couldn't do that. Um, I was surprised DeAndre Ayton didn't have a bigger game, but, you know, credit to Robin Lopez, um, Mo Wagner, and again, um, Scott Brooks for the defensive game plan, because I think that defensively we've seen a little bit more urgency from them in the last few games or so, and it may not always lead to results, but, I mean, you can definitely tell 
there's a um, a little bit of change in energy there. So I think that's one positive thing to take away, um, at, at least from the defensive side. Yeah, I, I, I was checking in with some Suns fan friends, and they're pretty down on Aiton overall. Like, I, I've seen some, hey, who could we trade DeAndre Aiton for? Do you think the Kings would take Mark, uh, Marvin Bagley for him? Like, you know, so the... I think that's probably been a little bit more of the norm this year than you would think. So I just fundamentally have like a hard time giving Robin Lopez too much credit just because I wasn't a fan of that signing, but he looks pretty solid. I mean, that little, the little baby hook is, is unguardable somehow. So it is. Yeah. Credit to him. Yeah. It's like Seraphin's hook shot. Cause Seraphin had a, um, the hook shot that was automatic. I mean, Seraphin did him his hook shot. And that's kind of the way I say um, the same way I feel about Robin Lopez and, I've been seeing that for years now, whether um, he was with the Bulls when um, they beat they beat the Celtics in the first round that one year, I think, right? I think it was. Either them or someone, but that was when they had um, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, uh, Rondo, I think. Yeah, so, they either got really close against someone good or actually like stole a series. I think they stole a series. I think what happened was, and again, I could be wrong. I thought that they beat Boston in the first round and lost against Miami in the second round, or, or vice versa. I forget. Um, it sounds right. Yeah, I'm sure it's one of the two. Either way, but I remember watching Robin Lopez. I mean, like, yeah, that's like the one good thing about him is he has a, a good hook shot, which which can kind of help bail you out towards the end of the shot clock and things like that. So I don't think Robin Lopez is useless, but just for the the pace that this team wants to play at and just personnel on the team. I didn't think that the move made too much sense. Also considering he got $7.3 million. Like when we signed him, I was like, okay, cool. A guy on a vet man. I mean, I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Whoa, you gave him almost the entire MLE. What are we doing here? Especially since Mo Wagner is not terrible. I mean, we didn't want to go into the season seeing Mo Wagner as our backup center, but I mean, I think he's still more useful than Robin Lopez. Most funny, man, and, and this sums up, like, Wizards fandom in general, I think. For, like, half the year last year, it was, holy shit, Mo is so much better than Thomas Bryant. Mm-hmm. And he gets hurt. He comes back. They tell him he's not a stretch big anymore. He needs to be posting up and setting screens. And, and he just looked like he had no idea how to play basketball. And suddenly we're like, oh, Mo Wagner's now terrible. It's like, well, no, players don't get drastically worse unless they're, one, either hurt, two, they're old, or, or three, you put them in a really bad position. And, and honestly, I think that's – it was more of the latter with him. So he's looked kind of back to form. I think not starting him was smart because he would have fouled out halfway through the first quarter. But, yeah, yeah, I think what you said about Lopez is huge. The, the I'm all for, like, a change of pace backup, but that's, like, the ultimate change of pace for a team that wants to be the fastest in the league. Yeah. Um, I guess the good thing, though, is that, I mean, as long as we're not seeing a drop off in points, then I guess it really doesn't matter because the idea is, well, you play at a, a faster pace and the more points you're going to be able to score, the more shots you're going to be able to shoot, which analytics will tell you, you know, the more shots you can shoot, um, you know, the, the more points you'll be able to put on the board. So, I mean, as long as we're not seeing a down, um, a slide in points, then I guess it really doesn't matter. But I mean, especially from this last game. I mean, he looked pretty, pretty dominant. Um, I mean, it looked like he could get um, in his position on the interior whenever he wanted to. He was able to make some shots, get some rebounds, get the outlet passes. I mean, he looked pretty solid. Um, 
But let's get into why Robin Lopez is now the starting center. So tough break for uh, Thomas Bryant. Who, Literal and figurative. I am going to claim that I was one of the first, if not the first, Thomas Bryant stan on Wizards Twitter. Um, <laughs> from like the first few games after we saw Thomas Bryant play, after um, he was starting, after Ernie Grumfeld picked him up, I was like, Guys, we got to keep this guy long term. Like this is this is a legit starting center here, and everyone's like, "Oh no, he's better in a limited role. He hasn't played a whole lot." And then later on in that year, he had that thirty-one point sixteen rebound game. I think it was where he was like, "What from the field?" I forget. He didn't miss a shot though. Um, might have been like fifteen for fifteen or something like that. Fourteen for fourteen. Something like yeah, that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was a guy coming out of Indiana that, you know, had like a, a original lottery buzz and then got injured and had some, you know, some other off-court issues, nothing nothing too crazy. But, uh, it, you know, that that was a steel guy, and, and that was sort of a, a sensible pickup for the team. Like one of the few things I think we've done pretty well, you know, to find a, a bargain bin kind of guy with, with real upside and, and Tommy Shepard tried to keep keep that mantra since, I think. But, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like, he's a guy I've always liked. I wrote an article before last year about how I thought he could win most improved player and obviously got hurt, and that didn't really work out. So I wrote the exact same article again this year, and, and naturally he got hurt, and it didn't work out. So next year I will know better, and I'm going to trash him at the beginning <laughs> of the year just to do us all a favor. That's it. Oh. Wizards Twitter appreciates your service. <laughs> exactly. Um, in other news, uh, Russell Westbrook looks like he's going to be out a while with a quad injury, I think, correct? I think it was – he had originally, I think, injured a quad, but this quad that's keeping him out right now is is the right one, which is the other one, because originally I think it was the left one that was bothering him. Is that correct, or am I mixing no, up? No, you nailed it. And okay. uh, I, I think that's one of those things where – you, you got to ask is it did it not heal the first time and now he's putting strain on the other leg did he come back too quick to, to get into the bubble did he overtrain like I just the way he plays man t- teams don't put a no dunk policy in place for you unless they're really worried about something from the start so uh, I kind of have a, a gut feeling there that, that this has been an issue that they they were like worried about going into the season and it, it finally got too bad to play through yeah, um, and it sucks for Westbrook, and it's been really wild, really, so far, because I, I didn't think we were going to get all NBA-level Russell Westbrook, but I thought that we would be getting a better version of Russell Westbrook than what we've seen so far this year. Um, ideally, you would want him to take more of a backseat role. Not that he can't go out there and score when needed, but to be successful on this team, he can still be really effective, get rebounds, push the pace, find guys in transition because the Wizards have a number of guys that need the ball from. I know it's it's going to be a little bit easier now, and I don't say that that I'm happy that Thomas Bryant is injured, but being that Thomas Bryant is out of the lineup now, that kind of takes away one of the guys that really need the ball. But the other three guys on the team that really need the ball still are Denny, um, Rui, Beal, and then I guess another one would be Bertans. So you have all those guys that really need the ball and need their touches to be effective. Um, And so you would just think that Russell would 
kind of just be more of a conductor to the offense, you know, get guys in their spots, get them running some sets where they can come off screens and get shots or set up a pick and roll. But he's kind of been a little bit more aggressive than I would like. What's your take on Russ? Yeah, I'm totally with you, man. I I, I thought, you know, their best chance of being good this year was Beal scores like, I don't know, mid to high 20s. Uh, and Westbrook's around like 18 to 20. And then you've got some combo of Hachimura, Bryant, Bertans in like the 14-ish range. And then yes. you've got you've got some guys, you know, pushing double digits, and it sort of depends on the night. Maybe Jerome Robinson gets eight one night or 12 one night, and Troy and those guys. But uh, and, and then, yeah, when you have a mismatch, like I loved what they did against the Nets where they just said, all right, Kyrie can't guard Russ one-on-one, so, so let's post him up the whole time. And, and you let him have his certain nights where, you know, he, he feels the love a little bit, he can drop his 30, whatever. But, um, uh, yeah, it's just it's been weird, and there's been certain stretches where, you know, he's done some driving and kicking to Neto, and you're like, oh, this is the Russ we thought we'd get. And then other nights where it's like, Okay, there's 20 seconds on the shot clock. He just took a three from 28 feet that didn't hit rim. Like, why? Yeah. Um, I think he, and, and Fred Katz says it best. Like, he's a maddening player. Um, you yeah. know, he he's not this all-time great player. He's not a player that you necessarily hate. But even though I would say maybe it's kind of fair, like Russ is either a guy you're, you'll love or you'll hate. Um, at least, uh, at least that's what Twitter tells you because people either love him to death or they slander him like he's the most useless point guard to ever play the game. And I think the truth it, it often lies somewhere in between. So, um, yeah, I mean the positives are great. The the rebounding was a huge boost. I think um, definitely that, that's been the most important thing. It makes Bryant it made Bryant's life so much easier. I actually think he yeah. can create a lot of looks for people when. When one, you actually surround him with shooters, and two, he can get to the rim. And uh, only one of those things is in his control. And and honestly, if you have shooters around you, it is easier to get to the rim. So that's part of the main thing I think you and I both would would sort of hit on Scott Brooks for. It's just I put him out there with at least three guys that can't shoot and one guy that hasn't found his sea legs yet. Yeah. That's one of the things, too, with Russ is, like, he tries putting him out there with these lineups, and I guess Brooks is just kind of expecting him to carry that lineup. And it's just something that's just not realistic, I don't think, at this point. Now, maybe he can do it in spurts, and maybe he'll do it a bit when he comes back, and hopefully he's healthier. Uh, But right now, it's just not an expectation that you can expect Russ to go out there and and carry. I mean, ideally, you want to have two of either Bertans, Rui, Denny, or Beal, I mean, on, on the court at the same time as him, just so you yeah, can kind of... I'd even I would even say Neto, and, and now Matthews looks like a valuable contributor yeah. from that front, too. And, you know, rather than have Beal need to carry the offense with all the starters out there, why not put Beal out there with Ish and Jerome and Troy right. and Robin Lopez? It's just, that's the one I can't understand. That was the one I asked him about directly, and his response was just, well, you know, we really want Russ out there with a lot of other, like, speedy, quick playmakers. I was like, well, why? Like, I just, well, yeah. why is that what you want? I, I can't, still can't understand that. Yeah. Um, so the rotations have been a little 
confusing. And now it's going to be even more challenging because he's going to have to find some minutes for um, some guys that maybe haven't really played a whole lot or guys that were playing initially and now aren't or guys that weren't playing initially and now are. So, I mean, it's just, especially at the backup wing positions, um, Brooks is going to have to figure that out. But I do want to touch on Garrison Matthews because he looks like, I mean, I know they're not going to do it right now um, until they at least wave past the snakes in February if that's what they decide that they want to do. But, I mean, eventually you got to have Garrison Matthews as a part of your 15-man roster. His shooting is just, it's too good. He's a terrific off-platform shooter. Um, he, he's an awkward-looking release kind of guy, but, I mean, hey, it, it goes in. Um, him and Bertans are just money on the floor at the same time, especially if we get that Bertans that we got the other night, like the Bertans we saw yeah. from last year. I mean, for second units, it's a wrap. I mean, you have no shot. So yeah, I mean, um, if you're if you're not going to lock down with your second unit group, you might as well uh, keep the tempo and, and put pressure on them. Yeah. You know, to to try to match up with you. And and I know you were saying that the other night during the game, you know, wanted to see that the you know the death line up there with all of our shooting. And I'm glad we finally got to that. You know, twelve ga- or eleven games in. Yeah, the Wizards got some shooters. I know that I don't even know if I'd consider Beal a three point shooter because Beal can shoot threes, but he's really more of just like an all around scoring. He'll hurt you more in the mid range than he will from three. But I mean he he is a threat from three. And you can't and, you can help off of him at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Um but then you have Neto, Matthews, Bertans. I mean, they have guys that can shoot Denny. the ball. And even Denny, Denny's shooting like almost I, I think the last time I looked, he was shooting like almost forty six percent from three. Yeah, and Wagner can shoot it too. The percentage isn't great, yeah. but you see the shot, and and you wouldn't. It's not a guy you would want to leave. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So they they have some guys that can shoot the ball, and they have guys who can contribute. And I guess this is kind of the beauty from last season with bringing in guys and evaluating the young talent, because now, as you can see, when guys get hurt. You have to be able to look at your bench and confidently say, okay, well, we can put this guy in, and he may not be the best, but at least we know what we're going to get out of him. So for guys like Wagner, Jerome Robinson, Troy Brown, um, I mean, it was good for last year for them to evaluate because now they can make a decision on um, who to play between those guys. And, I mean, really now they're going to have to make a decision. It looks like they've, they're they going with Matthews, and I'm totally fine with that, but – it looks like between um, Bonga, Robinson, and um, who am I forgetting? Uh, Brown. Troy. Troy, yeah. I mean, one of those other guys is going to have to crack, crack the rotation at some point. And my early favorite would be Bonga, but it, it would, I, I have no idea how, how Brooks is going to play that because he's just kind of inconsistent with those guys. Yeah, and, and that's been the troubling part, and, and this is the troubling part for players too is – you know, you have to you have to tell them how they can get on the court, and if it's through practice, that's fine. If it's through their play in games, that's fine. But uh, when when you're a player or a fan, and you see a guy have his best half as a member of the team, and then all of a sudden he never comes back out, uh, you know that that's part of the problem. But like Bonga is shooting sixty percent from three so far this season. Like it's yeah. obviously in super limited attempts, but um, it, it's definitely noticeably better and just also a guy you can't afford to like totally leave open, at least not, you know, you wouldn't want to do it a lot. So 
that's another one I gotta think. Like I, I watched Jerome Robinson a lot, um, you know, at Boston College, and actually was at a a prep school event and, and sat for for the whole day with his college coach Jim Christian, and and Jim was saying like, hey man, you know. This guy's like this guy's a dog. Like you don't understand. He didn't even get to see it for us. He didn't get to lock in defensively. But at the NBA level, when he when, you know, he doesn't have to score all of the points, but can be a scorer and defensive threat, he's going to be tough. And and we just we haven't seen that at all this year or in so far in his career. But he's another guy. He's shooting forty percent from three again, limited attempts. But you can't afford to leave him open at least. Yeah, um, I really like Jerome Robinson, and this is I, – I liked his game overall from what I've seen, and I was really hoping he would be the backup two coming into this year. Um, obviously, he decided to put Neto and Ish in the rotation at the same time, so it left him as the odd man out um, since they started the season as um, Troy, as that other wing that was coming off the bench. but. Um, I really like Troy at small ball four, which doesn't even make sense. No. Um, so, yeah, some, I mean, some questionable things from Scott Brooks up and down the roster, but I, I did like Robinson coming in as the backup, too, because he can hurt you off the dribble a little bit, at least more than some of those other guys on the roster can, those other younger guys. I mean, off the bounce shooting, mid-range shooting. I mean, he, he's the best one of the group. I totally agree. Um, so... Let's get to one of those other young guys in a second here. Now, this, is, this isn't going to be a roast. I don't dislike this player. I don't think he's a bad player, but I'm, I'm still struggling to understand why Troy Brown is on the roster. It's, it's clear he, stylistically he's, he's just not a fit. Um, Personnel-wise, play style-wise, what Scott Brooks likes out of players, he, just, he doesn't fit it. So, I mean, what's your take on Troy Brown? I mean, do you think that there's a chance that they move him this year? Because, I mean, I know they accepted his option for next season, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to 100% bring him back. If anything, that's actually probably better for a team that may want to trade for him. So, I mean, just what's your take on Troy Brown? Yeah, I hated the pick when they made it originally. I just... I think our player development's actually been better than we get credit for, but it's hard to make a guy who isn't a shooter or a defender really good at, at both, you know, or realistically either. Like, best case scenario, you, you help them improve at one of those two things. And and for a role player, he, he doesn't really do either. So uh, on this particular team, if you can't shoot or you can't defend, it's really hard to justify minutes for you considering they have like three other guys that fit that same mold. Yeah. And the fact that his shot looks a lot better and he's still in the, like the low 30s, like I think he's like 32 or 33%. Again, limited attempts, but uh, it's just weird to me that you would say like, you know, this guy's best skill is his rebounding, which half the time in the NBA, you don't even actually want your guards to rebound. You, you get them back in transition, like they're not, you know, so his grab and go potential is great, but would you rather him grab and go or a healthy Russ or even Beal or even Rui? Like, yeah. so it, to your point, it, it's, it's less, of, I think it's less about him an indictment on him as a player and um, more about the fit and the role they've tried to carve out for him. I think you really put a guy at a disservice 
when you don't kind of lay out for him what you want him to do. One year he's a three and D, the next year he's a point guard, the next year he's your backup four. Uh, it's just not fair. Yeah, um, and I mean, there are plenty of teams who, because let's be real, he's kind of more of a point guard, or he he's just more of a playmaker, so he really fits um, a team better where he can come in and just kind of have the ball and be a distributor. He's not a guy who you want doing too much stuff off the ball. So I look at a team like Chicago, for example, because you have Kobe White and Zach Levine there who are good with the ball in their hand, but um, you need someone who's going to be able to come in and set them up because Kobe White is is not a playmaker. And in an ideal world, he's probably more of a two uh, mm-hmm. than a one. But um, Yeah, you know, someone like that would be a great fit. Surround him with shooters and let him have some yeah. size. And like you said, you know, I mean, it's the, it's the Sadoransky role, realistically. Yeah. Um, so, again, and like you were saying, too, it's definitely – it's not – it's not like a blame Troy Brown thing. It's just – that he's a talented player. It's just let's just call it what it is. It's not a fit. They need to move on at some point this season. I mean, even if it's another young player and a second round pick or something like that, like like I'm fine with that. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. So we actually had Troy on our show over the summer, and um, so, so my co-host Larry was just like, "Hey Troy, you're six six man. Why have we seen you shoot so many floaters?" And he's like, well, it's just sort of like a thing I like to do, and it's a thing I've been working on. Like, oh, okay. But like as a coaching staff, um, again, it's like, what are you – like that, that's just not what you want from him. Like especially if you're going to play him as a guard, you want him to use his size and, and be bigger than guys and be aggressive downhill, not, not shoot floaters. So it just – yeah, I don't know. I, I blame the coaching staff for that one more than anything, to be honest. Yeah, so let's get away from player evaluations here for a second, and let's just kind of talk big picture because the reality is we are, we're what we're we're three and nine or three and ten. What are we? Uh, three and eight, I think. Right? Three and eight. Oh, okay. So a little bit better than I thought. Um, but I could I mean, be wrong. I, I could be forgetting one somewhere in there. Oh, that's okay. Um, it it probably doesn't really matter to be honest with you. The team is not good. Um, I'm not letting the other night fool me. Um, but the the team is not going to be competing for a championship this year, next year, or the year after. With that being said, as management and as an owner, you have a decision to make. You can keep it going, and you can probably drive Rui and Denny's development into the ground by keep bringing in vets, or you can do the wise thing, and you can trade Beal now, Get what you can, and that James Harden trade that just happened earlier, I mean, they got a lot. Um, Drew Holiday got a lot. So Bradley Beal is probably, I mean, look at Paul George too. So so Bradley Beal is going to require probably like the most ultimate return like in, in recent history. I mean, you'd have to think for the number one score in the NBA. I mean, I got to imagine it's similar to what Harden gets. I mean, at least in that ballpark, maybe a little I mean, less. It's but... going to have to, yeah, it's going to have to be a three or four team deal because we're going to need more assets back than what just one team can offer us. Um, and then to make roster numbers work with um, the the main team and the deal and all that. So um, anyway, 
the the right thing to do here, in my opinion, is to just blow it up. You have two solid players you can build around. You have a GM that's on his, on an expiring contract, and you have a head coach that's on an expiring contract. It makes perfect sense more now than ever before to just break it up and start fresh with the two young guys, and then hopefully you're able to get either Kate or Jalen Suggs in this draft, and you have your point guard, and you have your two wings to go out there, and you can start your future with, and hopefully we're back in the playoffs sooner rather than later. But, I mean, what's kind of your take on the whole big picture thing? I wouldn't be in any hurry to do that at the very least. I, I would hold out for sort of the best possible offer. You wait for somebody to get desperate, some other team where a player forces their hand, you know, that they need a sidekick or, you know, not that Beal's a sidekick level player, but you know what I mean? Like the, somebody else wants some help somewhere. So they're willing to, you know, to throw the Godfather offer at you. The, uh, the other question is like, do you really trust Tommy Shepard to be the one to like lead the rebuild uh, or to even start kick off the rebuild by trading away Eel. And I, I'm, I'm sort of neutral on Shepard's job overall. So I, that's, that's like an open question for me. I, I don't know what's out there. I mean, you got to imagine that um, like we were just saying it, it's somewhere between the Drew holiday and the Harden return. So um if you can get the right combination of stuff, uh, then I think you strongly consider it. But I wouldn't be in any rush to trade trade Beal away. So you got to get at least a young player with a potential to be a pretty darn good player and enough picks to, um, you know, sort of sort of guarantee that you get this right. So the, I think the only thing you lose by by waiting is if what if you turn it around and then suddenly you've played yourself out of the lottery as long as you're like a lottery team right now as is i think i just kind of see where we go for a while personally and, and just see if somebody's offer gets more impressive as we get closer to like the trade deadline or something yeah i definitely don't think it's a deal that they should make today or tomorrow but i guess just closer to the trade deadline like if this team is not competitive i mean you got to do what you got to do and if teams asking prices aren't there, if you're not getting what you want, then you wait till the off season, and then you make a move. Then, but people also got to remember: the, the longer you wait to make a deal, the less attractive of a player he becomes because his contract is going to be up after next season, unless he accepts that option to go in for that next season. But every day that passes is one day less that that. Or- organization that I think that their, either their ownership or their fan base or even their roster to, to make a bigger move so you might actually I don't think you're hurting yourself by waiting a little bit here but to your point, I, I wouldn't wait um, until the off, like next off season, and you're definitely going to get less of a return, I would think, than you get at this year's trade deadline. That would be my guess. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess if Beal were to get moved, I mean, it'll probably be by the trade deadline, but I would definitely lean towards it would happen more towards the trade deadline than it would now. I do agree with that because there's still some evaluating to do. And who knows, maybe the Wizards win. 
three more games here in a row or something like that. And then all of a sudden things don't look so bad. Um, so and maybe you know, if you're, I wouldn't if you're expect better, that to happen. You know, no, you're good. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, actually if, if you're playing a little bit better, maybe it even helps your leverage because you look less desperate to have to trade him and you're less likely to hear Beal request a trade. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that might actually help you. I, again, I wouldn't be in any rush to trade him because I actually think this team is a little bit better than their, their record. Um, you know, I think it, so, too. They're, they're not the five seeds you heard people saying before the season, but I think they're a fringe playoff team. You just have to be top 10 this year to have a shot to play your way into the playoffs. So um, I think there is some value in just being like, showing you're a competent organization who at least makes the playoffs, you know, for a couple of years. So if you can do that and that's enough for Brad this first year and, and he's understanding that, you know, the Westbrook you got isn't the Westbrook you want and Denny and Rui need another year and all those things. Like, I think you really have to be kind of in sync with him. If, if he's like, man, I'm not doing this shit much longer. And then you need to start working the phones. If he's like, hey, I'm going to be patient, you know, I get it. This is out of our control to some extent. And then maybe, maybe keep it together and keep it going. So how much do you think that, like, I guess, how much do you think that this is going to stunt Denny and Rui, given that Russ is still going to be on the team for... I mean, realistically, probably until the rest of his contract, unless they decide to buy him out his last year. Um, but, um, I mean, how much do you think that between him and Beal, like, it stunts their growth? Because I got to tell you, Rui's a guy who needs the ball in his hand to be effective, point blank, period. Like, he, he's just not an off-ball guy. He's just not. Um, and then also, Denny is a guy who I think we can see can be off ball and, and work in that role completely fine. But given that he's a rookie and we already know the type of potential he has, he needs the ball in his hand to learn. We didn't have summer league this year. So, I mean, this is sort of a time while Russ is out. I mean, let him run the offense, let him run more pick and roll. He finally hit his um, first or second mid range pull up shot off the dribble from Denny the other night. I mean, we want to see more of that. We need to see him with the ball in his hands. We need to see him dribble the ball. Um, so, I mean, just how much do you think that sort of thing affects them both? I don't want to get killed for this uh, uh, online later, but uh, I don't see all-star potential with either of those two. So uh, okay. my personal take, I wouldn't make any like franchise, dis- you know, changing decisions based, based on that. I'm not saying that one of them couldn't like, you know, exceed that and have a good all-star year here or there, but I, I don't see like, you know, franchise altering, you know, caliber talent from, from either of them personally, uh, just because I think Rui's kind of a clunky fit. Um, and I think Denny kind of profiles more as like a, maybe a really great sixth man longer term on a really good team, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Cause he's not like special at any one thing, but he's like pretty good across the board. So for him, you know, he was able to develop in a league where he actually didn't play drastically different minutes than he's playing right now. And I think for him, a lot of it is going to be skill development and practice and over the off season. So I think he's getting plenty of minutes right now to keep like actually getting better. And it's about pace and speed of the game and 
sort of like studying film and things like that are probably more important for him right now than getting like fire hosed minutes. The Rui one is is sort of where I think that makes more sense just because a little further along. Again, it goes back to role. Like, I don't know if you've felt this way too, but the last couple games, I, I see Rui looking like more tentative offensively. And mm-hmm. especially with the game where like both Beal and Westbrook were out, it's like, why is Rui not getting like 20 shots up tonight? It just, so what's, what is the coaching staff saying to him? Like what are his teammates saying to him? You know, I, I blame it less on, on Russ and more about like them again, kind of carving out what they want him to be role wise and everyone on, on the team understanding that role as like a tertiary scorer that they can, the ball to because like you saw a stretch where like ish wouldn't even throw him the ball and when they did he like pump faked 10 times and then passed it out so it's like uh what are we what are we trying to do with him yeah um definitely an odd fit and i thought the hope was that with when wall was going to come back this year and take more of a backseat role offensively because you figure he was going to lose some step and i mean i know king of hindsight here it looks like he really hasn't um but you were assuming if he was going to take more of a backseat offensively, you figure Rui's a guy who can kind of come in there and be that 2B type um, priority in the offense. So, um, And I think that should even be the case now because I'd rather see Rui getting shots up than seeing Russ come with 20 seconds on the shot clock and pulling a mid-range shot or a three-pointer like you were saying earlier. I, w- I would prioritize Rui getting the ball over Russ. Um but definitely now that Russ is out, I mean, Rui has to be that other guy in the offense when Beal doesn't have the rock. So, yeah, yeah. To um, your point, I think that's again, it goes back to to the roles thing. Like, if Russ understands, hey, we want you to be an eighteen twenty ten assist, you know, good defender. Like, that's what we're looking for from you to be successful and to get these other guys involved and to spread the ball around, like. If he's cool with that, great. I think all that works and everything I said is still applicable. If he's like, nah, man, forget that. Like, um, I could get back to 30 points a game. Uh, then then you need to immediately raise the red flag. And and now let's let's start to blow this thing up and, and make some changes here. Because that 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 doesn't do anybody any good if if he thinks he's like the guy and can lead the league in scoring and stuff like that. Yeah. Um so last two topics here. I, I think I don't think it's any secret that um, you know. I mean, it's pretty clear Scott Brooks should not be back uh, as the head coach. Uh, Tommy is kind of if he. Uh, I'll say th- the only thing I really didn't like about Tommy last year was I did not like the Napier McRae trade, and I know that's kind of nitpicking because neither would really have a place long term on this roster. But I just thought for positional value. Um, size athleticism ability all that i just it it made about zero sense to me um and then this year free agency was obviously really underwhelming the props to him for keeping matthews on a two-way cassius winston may or may not be a fine player it looks like denny's gonna be around um in the league Uh, like you said even if it's six man like at worst or something like that i still think denny's gonna be a really solid player for a long time and, and that's gonna warrant um, the pick at nine and um, but but between Robin Lopez um, not addressing getting a vet wing um, 
the McRae trade, like I was saying, and then the, the team options that they decided to pick up and not pick up were very confusing to me as well. Um, I and just Neto's a steal. Can't leave that one out. I think that ended up working yeah. out pretty good too. Yeah, Neto is one hundred percent a steal, but just overall, it's just kind of left me with a, a a meh kind of feeling. So, I mean, and I guess. You were saying in the chat that Tommy's deal is up this year, correct? Like he didn't have anything guaranteed past this season, no? So I, that's what I had heard is that he and Scott Brooks were on the same um, contract cycle, but I, I don't. I, I feel like GM contracts are sort of less of a public thing when they re up and. As an organization that like basically gave like Ernie Grunfeld a secret extension a couple years ago, you know, I, I I don't really know for sure that that's still the case that he and Ted couldn't have worked something. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, he's not locked in here long term at the very least. So if they wanted to make a change, uh, they could probably do that pretty easily. And it's like even if they want to bring in a new GM, I mean, do you think that's a situation where they could just reassign Tommy back to his old role, or do you think that it would be kind of like they let him go altogether? I, I'm not. I don't think that. I don't mean to put you on the spot here or anything like that, but just like I don't know if this sort of thing has really happened before. So, I think they're committed to him. To be honest with you, unless he really screws things up, I, I think he's done enough well to that they're going to be okay. I mean, we've sort of taken just a. Ted's lone mantra is like, we won't tank. It's never like we're going to strive for greatness. So I think as long as they can keep putting out like a fringe playoff caliber team, his job is probably safe. Um, and just the fact that they, they kind of middle fingered Tim Connolly, you know, in the off season by, by like low balling him. It just makes me think that they're not particularly serious about going out and, and making like a game changing move. So uh, does that mean, does that prevent them from going out and, and trying to get a big name GM in the offseason? No, but I, I think if I had to bet money on it, we probably see Shepard back here next year. Yeah. And if things mildly turn around, I would almost bet money on seeing Scott Brooks back again next year. Yeah. Um, I hope I that's not I... the case, but I, I, that's just sort of how I would, I would expect it to play out. Yeah, I mean, I guess with GM, and we know that they were interested in Masai, what, a couple years ago or whenever that was, but his contract is now up. So, I mean, my thinking is maybe they were just waiting for his contract to be up because if they were going to have, if they were going to acquire Masai um, originally, then they would have had to give up some sort of compensation. Whereas now, this offseason, they don't really have to if they wanted to bring him in. So, Maybe whenever that was a while back, they were just reaching out to gauge interest. Maybe there wasn't much interest there. But the fact that the reports were Ted was willing to give up all of this stuff to bring him in, it just makes me wonder if this offseason, if they would revisit that now, considering that he doesn't like have a contract signed with a team. So... um this is always the challenge with when you hear things directly from the team. Like we heard from the team that they made a big offer to Masai. We we didn't hear that from, from anywhere else. And uh, so whether or not that was made in earnest, I don't really know. Um, like the Connolly one, we heard definitively they offered him, you know, less years and less money than 
than the typical GM in the NBA makes. So uh, that that's at least a confirmed data point. And, and again, this is an organization with like a history of sort of trying to manage the message to make them look worse. Like my, my own co-host, Larry, we've talked about this a couple of times. Like the narrative was, uh, oh, Larry, you know, left to go take a bigger contract somewhere else. And, and the actual truth of that is they offered him half uh, what Cleveland and other teams were offering him and mm -hmm. tried to like talk him into like slowly negotiating his way up when he said he didn't want to just negotiate, like make an offer and we'll talk. And that's not what they did. So I just don't trust anything sort of our coming from like our ownership level that, that it's made at face value. It's a personal take. Gotcha. And then, <clears throat> so you think Scott Brooks will be back? I, if they continue to play well, I'll say that, or, or at least tolerable. If they're I guess is that the yeah. word you want to use? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If they're in playoff contention this year, I, I would, I would see that. If they, if they plummet into the 13 seed at the end of the year, I think there's no chance he's back. Well, for kicks and giggles, let's say that they decide not to bring him back. Are there any favorites out there that you like for the position? Maybe guys we don't know. Maybe guys we do know. I'm just kind of picking your brain here again. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Oh, I, I, it's funny. I, I listened to this Tim Duncan interview the other day that he did with Raja Bell on one of the Ringer podcasts. And he spent last year as an assistant coach for the Spurs. And mm -hmm. I'm like, this is the dude. Like, this kind of guy, one, he's obviously from a great organization. He gets how to do it the right way. Um, he's got a kind of an even temperament, but he knows the game, and he would have, like, immediately everyone in the locker room's respect. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of times, like, when you're air quotes, like a player's coach, it's you trying to, like, curry favor with the players, where, like, if you're somebody of Duncan's stature, you can kind of just demand that amount of respect, like, by walking in the door, or you hand them your resume, and they have to have to sort of be on board with it so um someone like that would have been great although he has since said like he's he's not ready to like commit to coaching uh longer term at this point in his life yeah and the other one i like is another spurs guy uh Ime yadoka that's on the net staff the nets have been mm -hmm. playing better defense than people thought and um you know that guy that was a guy that just did more with less so um i, I like that kind of guy how about you any any favorites that stand out I think definitely just for the ties to the organization, um, I think Sam Cassell and Wes Unsell Jr. would be higher on my list of guys. Those would be two guys that I'm 100% interviewing at the very least. Um, I know that Cassell has a very good relationship with, um, not that it matters anymore for him, but with Wall and Beal. Um, and then Wes Unsell Jr. I mean, we obviously know what Wes Unsell meant to um, Bullets fans everywhere. So um, those are two guys at the very least that I'm interviewing. Um, I like Darvin Ham, who is now with the Bucks. He's been under Mike Budenholzer for years now. Um, so I like him as well. And then I think there's someone else I'm forgetting. Um, David Vanterpool, who is now, I believe, with the Timberwolves. He was formerly with the Trailblazers. Um, I like him as well. Yeah, it'd be great to be like a defensive guy because the – Yes. Mike, yeah. Mike Longabardi uh, defensive guru schemes don't seem to be uh, particularly effective. So you just need somebody that 
that can hold them accountable, I think is sort of the biggest thing. And um, yeah. I don't hate Scott Brooks as, as much as a large portion of our fan base, but I think it seems reasonable at this point. He's not holding them accountable defensively at the very least. Yeah. And it's like, or maybe he even is, and this the way they're teaching it, like they're just not picking it up. But you can't tell me a bunch of guys who are in the NBA that all of them can't eventually come together and figure out a defensive scheme. I mean, it, it's been his entire tenure now, and they haven't been able to figure it out. You, you can't tell me that that's all the players. There, there's no way you're convincing me of that. Yeah, I mean, on our show this week, uh, you know, Larry said straight up, like, Hey, you can tell watching guys like when someone wants to defend or not, and they have a lot of guys that have no interest in it. They're putting yeah. up just enough resistance to get back on the other side of the ball to see who can shoot first. And, um, you know, I think that's that's partly a personnel thing, but partly an accountability thing. Whether they're teaching them poorly or not, I do think that's a large part of it. But because um, one guy not doing his part can make everyone else look terrible. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's just, you know, hey, you missed that rotation twice now. Sit your ass on the bench for someone else. Like guys will get that message. Um, and I I don't I don't think that that's what's been happening at least. Um so just a quick talk there on Tommy and Scott because I definitely do think that I, I, the conservative thing to do would just to be, bring back Brooks for another year, keep things status quo with Tommy. But I, I truly think that that there is a big decision here that ownership will have to make as we get towards the trade deadline as to what type of team you want to be. Um, but let's get away from that now and let's actually go towards um, stuff that's going to matter more to us in terms of the short term. Well, let's get into their next stretch of games here we can talk about the next let's see we'll talk about the next five here i guess um so the game tonight um against the jazz has been postponed um but we will play at detroit on the 15th then we are back at home for two games uh both against cleveland who has looked pretty decent this year and then we play Lamelo ball and the hornets in charlotte and then on the 22nd, we play at Milwaukee. So um, what's your outlook for these next five games? Um, what do you expect to see? What do you want to see rotation-wise, scheme-wise? Um, any of these players you like on any of these teams coming up? or I mean, any thoughts you have on these next five games? Hit me. Uh, I think the Pistons are terrible, so we should hopefully win that game. If we don't, that that's going to be a long season. Yeah. The, ca- the Cavs are, like, spunky um, and playing better than people expected. They just picked up Jared Allen. I don't expect them to be done making moves. I don't know why you need Andre Drummond, JaVale McGee, and Jared Allen. So um, that's that's some team I would expect some additional shakeup from. But uh, if you can't win one of those two, that's also a really bad sign. Uh, the Hornets... Um, To be honest with you, I haven't watched much Hornets basketball this year. I've seen LaMelo highlights. I've seen Gordon Hayward highlights, but I haven't watched the whole. But again, you got to think that's a winnable game. Um, But it'd be like a very Wizards move to lose to the Pistons, win one against the Cavs, lose to the Hornets, and then somehow steal one against the Bucks. That seems like a very us kind of thing. So give give me your official prediction here for these next five games. Uh... 
Uh, let's say that let's say we're going to beat the Pistons. We're going to win one against the Cavs. We're going to lose to the Hornets and Bucks. Let's go two and three. Okay, I'll I'll say the same thing. I think we beat Detroit. Um, I'll say we'll split one of these two against Cleveland, but I I think that we're going to lose um to the Hornets and the Bucks. And just in typical Wizards fashion, we will lose to the Hornets. So that they could go. Three and two. Um, it's probably what you're hoping for, but I think I would lean more towards two and three, especially now being without Thomas Bryant and Russell Westbrook for these games. Um, anything else you got before we get out of here? Uh, no, man. I, I think we uh, we ran the gamut there and, and sort of hit the uh, hit the vast majority of stuff. Uh, you know, it, it just let's see him continue to play hard. I, I hope the other thing we kind of really didn't talk about is how many of the guys are in COVID protocol. So um, they couldn't get a, a full team together uh, tonight's game against the jazz, but uh, what if they only have eight guys, the minimum available against the Pistons? How does that impact them? Sort of depends on which eight guys. So uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe this looks ugly for the next I don't know, a couple days here or not. So that'll, that'll be a big determining factor, I think. Yeah, and it's definitely something that we'll look out for in the coming days. Uh, obviously, we won't be playing tonight, but again, in a couple of days is when um, our next matchup is against Detroit. So maybe we will be without a decent chunk of bodies for that game. But um, Matt, thank you for coming on and taking the time to do this with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, for those of you that listen, we'll hopefully have – Damo back on next week or whenever he comes back and um, we'll definitely look to have Matt back on the show. So uh, once again, thank you for coming on um, for those that like Matt and just listen because he was on. Uh, sorry if this wasn't t- a typical kind of thing that you listen to. I don't like to have a script when I do pods. I just kind of, I like to keep it sort of informal and just kind of make it seem like a conversation because that's when I feel like um, you get more genuine discussion um especially with things like sports so um that's gonna do it for me if you don't have anything else then we will go ahead and get out of here that's good man that's fun thanks for having me yep all right guys thank you for tuning in we will see you next time